We are back at it. The Pistols Firing Podcast is back after a long hiatus. It is British Open week. I cannot, cannot be more fired up. I'm Carson Cunningham, in case you've forgotten. Kyle Porter, as always, joins me in case you've forgotten. Kyle, it's been a while. It's good to, good to hear your voice again. Yeah, just a golfer and a golf rider uh, chatting it up on a, on a Wednesday afternoon. I'm pretty much a professional golfer these days. I'm, I'm getting ready for the Karsten Creek uh, Mike Gundy Invitational later uh, this summer. We need Casey Dunn. Casey Dunn, if you're listening, DM us, text us, help us. We need help. I need help. Well, when I submitted our, our names for the, the Karsten Creek OSU golf event, I said, me, Kyle Boone, and Kyle Porter, we like to play together, and they obliged. And I kind of threw in there that Casey Dunn always wins, so maybe they'll put us with Casey. I'm not sure. Be great. Or maybe I mean, maybe maybe Gundy will come out of retirement like um, oh who could I, I I don't David Duvall and just like just chop it up with us <laughs> at Karsten. He doesn't even go to that anymore, which is sad. I remember when I I first played in it, you know, seven eight years ago, back when your blog like the one of the first years I played in it, Kyle. Actually, I just want to get this on the record on the <laughs> yeah, pod. Yeah, I, I remember this. One of the first years I played in it is what the year you broke the uh, uniform news when yeah. they were switching to the new uniforms, and you were like persona non grata, and people were like, "Who is this? Who is this pistols firing person that broke the uniforms?" Like, I was like, "Ah, he's a good guy. I know him. He, he does a good job. What, I, what of it? <laughs> I, fi- I fired him. <laughs> yeah." I may or may not be friends with him. Am I about to get thrown off Karsten Creek for knowing Kyle Porter? <laughs> oh, that's great. Now, I'm excited about that. Uh, I've got to get through the British Open first. My body is adjusting to Northern Ireland time, but... Uh, you're there? Wait, you're there? Breaking no, in? but I got to I gotta wake up on Northern Ireland time. Oh, uh, yeah. What time do they tee off? Midnight tonight? Uh, 12.30 a.m. Central. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. yeah. You ready? Yeah. I'm not. I I'm gonna stay up a little bit, but I'm not gonna be grinding as hard as you are. Yeah, it's gonna be a mess. Uh, I want to talk a little bit of open at the end, just from an Oklahoma State perspective. But we got to start with Big Twelve Media Days, Carson. You were there. Uh, Kyle Boone and Marshall Scott were there for us covering it. They did a great job. You did a great job. What was your? It's, it's, I don't know. Like the media day thing. There's so much going on, and most of it is just nonsense. But some of it's good. What was your biggest takeaway? Yeah, I, d- I do feel like most of Big 12 Media Days, like from people that really everyone, when, when you go to it and when you watch it on TV, it, j- it seems kind of too early in a sense. You know, it's it's July. Obviously, the season doesn't start until September. And normally you can't take a lot away from it, but I felt there was a ton to take away from OSU and Mike Gundy. And so... I know we'll jump into it uh, in large part, but my biggest takeaway first off was Mike Gundy at the podium essentially taking, like falling on his sword, taking the blame for winning seven games. That was not something I was prepared to hear from him. And I think, you know, I think you and I got a lot of, you know, flack or heat for, for blaming Gundy for a lot of things that happened. And I think you and I, a large talking point you and I both had was that Gundy kind of felt set in his ways a little bit yeah. and and was just content to roll out, you know, Cornelius and, and just, they were a very undisciplined football team. I think was the biggest take you and I both had was with the penalties, the lack of discipline throughout the team. I think that was a big take you and I had throughout the entire season. And I thought it was interesting to hear Mike Gundy basically blame himself for that. Said we were an undisciplined football team. 
And if I'm a more disciplined head coach, we'll be much better this year. So I thought that was very interesting to hear Mike Gundy say that he didn't do a good job last year. That was my biggest takeaway. Do you be, do you believe him when – and Kyle Boone did a really good job. He wrote on this just about how Gundy seems rejuvenated for the year. Of like, And, and sometimes this happens, right? Like you, you do something that's dumb like in your own job. Like I've done this. And I look back on it and I'm like, why did I do that? And it sort of gets you like fired up to do better in the future. Do you think that that's – do you believe him that that's where he's at or is he just – it has this sort of like the beginning of the end already started for him. Well, I think the devil's advocate to that would be that he's just trying to talk himself into year 14 and that he's kind of burnt out. I think that's the devil's advocate, but no, I I agree with you that it's like you or I, when we had a a bad year or a bad golf shot, we want a mulligan. I think that's kind of where he, he stands with this. And I think, you know, the analogy he used at the podium was that, you know, I've he goes, I have three kids, and my youngest is 14, and his two older ones were saying that if you let him get away with this, you're letting him get away with stuff you never would have let us get away with, and we never would have, we never would have got through the night. I guess is how he put it. So I do think there was a large part of him that was content with where he stood in the Big 12, with the contentment he had with his job, and how that parlays into the quarterback decisions he made or the day-to-day operations, I don't know. But I do believe him in that despite winning seven games, he feels more recharged than ever because I think he, I think he looks around and sees, you know, obviously Lincoln Riley's got a role at OU and Texas appears to be on the way back. But I think he really gets a sense that his program's in a good place. I think he's super fired up about the hire of, of Charlie Dickey at offensive line. He seems totally rejuvenated by that. And I think he's he's a little rejuvenated by a new offensive coordinator bringing new ideas. I think Gundy likes to say that it's his offense and he's going to run what he runs. But I think in a large point, like this this Gleason hire, I think kind of gives him new life a little bit. So I, I totally buy what he was selling. That's true, by the way. The third kid thing. It's like, whatever, man. Like, if you want to eat batteries, just make sure somebody cuts them up for you. You know? <laughs> like, whatever. Is that where you're at right now? Sort of. I mean our kids don't eat batteries, but, uh, (laughs) yeah, like it's totally true. I think that like, I'm, I'm really interested by how this gunner thing affects him going into the next sort of phase of his career. I guess. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it all blends together, but it, it seems like that could be part of like the rejuvenation of like, wait a second. Am I, is this going to happen? Like, am I going to coach my son at OSU? Seems like it is. Like Gunnar Gundy's not going to like Toledo, right? Yeah, I don't think he's going to the Ohio Bobcats, where most Oklahoma quarterbacks go to play. Like Tyler Tettleton played at the University of Ohio. I think I think Gunnar is going to be at OSU. Yeah, whether that's as a scholarship or a walk on. Yeah, he's he's probably going to go out on a on a on a Gunner note. On a Gunner note. <laughs> you mean you mean Gundy like Mike is? Yeah. He's going to go out with Gunner probably. What what was I don't know. Like are you tired of the quarterback thing yet? No, cuz we know nothing. Okay. Like, so on, let's get into that. Yeah, I I want to talk about it. I I'm like both really intrigued and also already sort of tired of it on July 17th, but I just I don't know. I I talked about this with Boone and Marshall on Sunday night. Like I don't get it. Like I, the Sanders thing, it's like just 
like why is he not I, I just don't get why he's not your guy and like he had the kind of had this weird quote about like well we owe it to drew brown and it's like you don't oh, what like what does that mean what do you owe drew brown you don't you don't owe him anything i i don't i don't get the whole thing well it's funny you bring that up because i didn't get to his i got to his breakout session after link i went to lincoln rally first and just Filmed a little bit of Lincoln. I was like, all right, it's time to go to Gundy. And when I when I was setting up my camera and stuff, I overheard the last part of a question where he said, you know, like whoever turns it over at quarterback, like that's you're out. Like if you turn it over, like that's not what we need on our offense, and you're not gonna be the quarterback. So my first question to him was, okay, Mike. Like literally everyone expects Spencer. Sand- this is how I, this is exactly how I said. It. I go, Mike. I was just trying to level with him. <laughs> I wasn't beating around the bush, like pretending there's a quarterback controversy. I was like, Mike, everyone everyone expects Spencer Sanders to be the quarterback. So are you saying that since he's a young quarterback, does he turn it over more? Is that what you're afraid of? Like why why is Spencer Sanders not the guy considering the accolades he had coming out of high school? Because he was Mr. Texas football, Mike. You never had a quarterback ranked this high coming out of high school as your recruit. Is Is that something he struggles with? And he was like, well, that you you overheard the the last part of my 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 <laughs> phrase there. Um, that that's just a small part. And he, he went to this this thing to where he starts to talk about. He goes the the quarterback we got from Utah and and Jenny Carlson was like Alex Case. Like, yeah, he goes. Wasn't it Colorado? He, he he's from Utah. Oh, was he? Okay. Yeah, and he committed to LSU, and we all know how Alex. He goes. He's from Utah, and he he had earned that right. He'd earned that right. We played him over Whedon. Now, he played so bad, we had to get him out of there, but he earned that right. Yeah, so the, like, the earned when right. When I hear thing, that, I don't, yeah. I don't get that. I don't, you earn, what, do, what, do, what does that even mean? Well, Mike Gundy, you know, you can take the quarterback out of Mike Gundy, but he, he ultimately is, a, he's still at heart a college football player. And I think he, he truly believes in seniority in earning your place and i don't think he's just willing to just hand the reins over to spencer sanders unless he thoroughly outplays drew brown and, and to mike's point and I, I will give him i will give him credence on this he's like we only get a certain he goes we, we he goes, he goes we get very little time in the spring and in the summer he goes he's basically saying like it's going to come down to fall camp so i totally buy that i totally buy that spencer has not had enough opportunities nor drew brown to earn the job going into this year. But I am dubious if you start already starting to compare Drew Brown to Alex Kate, where this is going to go. That to me was a little alarming. He's already comparing Alex Kate to Drew Brown. Yeah, that that's you you never want to go full Alex Kate, right? That's, or bring that up on your own right. Like he he brought that up by himself. That's what would not you bring, what would you bring that up, Mike Andy? That's not good. I was talking to somebody today, and I was like, look, man, like I, the thing for me, this is what I keep going back to. I think Jenny Carlson wrote this too, is like if if Spencer is – like let's say he's a little worse than Drew Brown. Okay, he's 10% worse. Whatever. Just play him. Like you're, are you going to really you're, – you're really going to play four different quarterbacks over four seasons? I mean, what, what – like – and and the funny the the ironic part about that is like Gundy's big deal is quarterback continuity, right? Fifteen games, you know, it takes fifteen games to get acclimated, and it's like you're gonna go three seasons in a row with a new guy that doesn't get to fifteen games for his career in that season. 
you know, in, in, in terms of like power five football talking about, I mean, I, I get that Brown has played the, done the Hawaii thing, but that was like three years ago now. And that's, it's different. And Cornelius obviously didn't reach 15 and then whoever starts next year, I, I'm getting ahead of myself, but like, I, I just, I don't know if it's even close, even if Sanders is a little worse, I just feel like you have to go with him, but Gundy will not do it. If, if Sanders turns the ball over. Well, I I agree with you, Kyle, but I'm just going to preface this with everyone that's listening. He said this multiple times, too, while I was standing there. He said, uh, he goes, he goes, people, people, and I'm going to use my Gundy accent. It's fine. But people think that, you know, all things being equal, you play the younger guy. He's like, we're we're not in that position. We're not in that position. We can't just play the younger guy. We got, he has to earn it. And I I, I don't, I don't agree with that. I know you don't agree with that. Look, it's July. 17th I think Spencer Sanders is going to be the starting quarterback I don't I've heard Kyle I don't know what you've heard but I've heard this guy is totally different than anything they've ever had and this goes back to predating Zach Robinson in terms of his ability to get out of the pocket and run and his ability to ad lib much like a Kyler Murray or Baker Mayfield I think that's he has that ability and I think that ability kind of makes Gundy uncomfortable because he's never had a quarterback like that. Yeah, I know. I mean, not even not even Zach could do the things I think Spencer Sanders is capable of in terms of getting out of the pocket and scrambling. And I think that makes him nervous because you and I have talked about on this podcast for years that Gundy's much more like Bill Snyder than he is, you know, a Lincoln Riley. I think he wants the guy that's going to make the fewest mistakes and put them less less at risk. But I don't know. The more I heard him talk, the more I going into media days, I didn't think there was any chance that Drew Brown starts game one. But after hearing Mike Gundy talk, if he makes less mistakes, I think there's a legitimate chance Drew Brown could be the quarterback in game one. Yeah, I agree. And and part of what I've heard a little bit of is just that it, it's taken, I think, maybe a little bit longer than people would like, people within the organization would like for Sanders to kind of pick things up and get everything like down pat, which kind of surprises me and maybe that's maybe that's changed maybe that's that ain't true anymore or whatever but that's a little bit of what I was hearing and then you know I, the person I talked to today and this sort of matches up with that was like look the thing that I've been hearing is that Sanders like best is unbelievable but his bad is like oh that's not good you know and and, and that sort of makes sense right of like look his his ceiling is is way higher I, I don't think anybody doesn't think that but Gundy cares about the floor and I think Drew Brown's floor right now July 17 2019 is is probably a little bit higher no totally I mean I think we all agree with that but I, I don't think Gundy's just going to hand it to Spencer Sanders because he's a more talented guy I think he's gonna have to go out go out and earn it which is a little scary because <laughs> And I, I didn't have a chance to ask a follow-up because you know, Kyle, there's a million people around when you're trying to talk to Gundy. The question I had was, well, why did you start Wes Lunt as a true freshman over Clint Shelf and J.W. Walsh? I think, I think Kyle, more than anything, I think Gundy still to this day in 2019 feels burned yeah. by the decision he made to start Wes Lunt. And I think I think a guy like Spencer Sanders is going to have to overcome some of those trepidations that Gundy has for starting a young quarterback. Now, again, I think Spencer Sanders is going to be the quarterback, and I would be shocked if he's not. But when you think of Gundy's track record on picking quarterbacks, 
and the way he was talking at media day, I'm way more open to the fact that Drew Brown might be the guy. But the question I would have, let's say Drew Brown does start game one. question I'm going to have is, why the hell did you not play him last year when Cornelius could not get a first down against Kansas State? He scored three points. That, that to me, it goes back to my original thinking this podcast at the end of football season last year. It's like, you didn't even give Drew Brown a chance, and you're going to start him next year? That, that to me, seems far-fetched. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about that for a really long time, or I will talk about that for a really long time. I did want to get into, because uh, we're going to have all fall to talk about the quarterback situation. Have you seen the, the New Jersey numbers for these guys, for the incoming freshmen? I have. What, what, what stood out? I mean, I, I think I know what stood out, but what was the one that stood out most? Well, I like I like my running backs in single digits. So De- DeAndre Glass at number four, Heisman winner DeAndre Glass. That stands out to me a great deal. Uh, Langston Anderson. I had a guy tweet me asking if Langston Anderson was already the the Heisman, the uniform Heisman at yes, number eighty eight. He is. I kind of like Trace Ford at ninety four. I think okay. Trace Ford's going to be really good. I got to watch him a lot at Edmond Santa Fe, so that stands out. But you know, my my eyes immediately go to the single digits. With um, you know, Brendan Costello's number nine. I know that's uh, Dustin Ragusa's guy. So we'll we'll have to see. But DeAndre Glass at number four stood out to me. Yeah, I I my my top one is uh, is Langston Anderson at eighty eight. I think that's sick. I, I like Grayson Boomer at eighty two as well. I think that's a great uh, number for a tight end, cowboy back, whatever you want to call him. Uh, I'm a is fan. is Grayson Boomer going to be like OSU's version? Like I feel like Grayson Boomer can can like totally rewrite the Blake Bell dominance in Bedlam. <laughs> like Blake Bell was like a superhero in Bedlam with a guy named Boomer on the team. Like doesn't he have to score like three touchdowns every Bedlam he plays? Like just to rub it in, doesn't that seem Boomer? Yeah, he's he's Oklahoma State's version of Blake Bell. That, I, I would take that. That would be nice. Uh, how what, about how about Tom Hutton, the the punter from Australia, just immediately taking signers number at it's punter? A, it's a, it's kind of a power move. What, what is? I'm looking at this list. What is the like? What is? <laughs> what's your least favorite football number? Like when you're you're just looking at these, you're like, wow, that is. I would not want to be that number. That's awful. Well, anything in the fifties, number fifty six, uh, Xavier Ross, a defensive <laughs> tackle, like. You get 50, 56 has to be like low on the pecking order, doesn't it? I think, yeah, it kind of 37 does. at defensive end. Well, I was going to say 36 is pretty awful to me. Like Marcus smart being 36 on the Celtics is an abomination. <laughs> like it's so gross. It's, it's awful. And it's really close to being awesome because 35 is great. 33 and 31 are great, but 36 is just terrible. Yeah. It's, it's not good. And to your point, you know, Desmond Jackson, the Juco running back, is 27, which is the uh, – who's the running back that transferred to Georgia Southern? I already forgot his name. J.D. King. J.D. King. 27 looks cool, but like 29, the punter, looks horrible. Yeah. You don't want to be 29, but you want to be 27. I like DeMarco. So it's, it's a slippery slope. I like DeMarco Jones at 22 as well. Um, okay. Who's, who's number one? Uh, Calvin Bundage. But nobody on offense is number uh, one? I think Landon Wolf moved over to number one. Oh, that's right. I think it's he just from eighty-eight. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just reserved for the uh, like the small, like fast slot guy. Yeah, Taylor McCluskey. <laughs> yeah, like you just get like after Blackman, like you those guys, you just get one. Like you play the slot, okay, you're number one. Well, and 
I love the new numbers they use now. The like number one just kind of looks like a upside down hyphen. It doesn't look quite like number one. Like Dez had doesn't quite look the same. And like, up, the question one doesn't look on. like Dez's one. Hold on, an upside down hyphen. I think that's just a hyphen. Well, you know what I mean. It's more of like a block <laughs> than like an actual numeral. You know, the one has the slant at the top, and then the the bracket at the bottom. Yeah, this I, is just like a hyphen. I got you. I got you. Okay. Uh, anything else at media days that stood out? Yeah. To you? I mean, um, I was really looking forward to. I mean, well, first off, I'll stick with OSU first. Like Tywin Wallace, Kyle. Yeah looks like a how do i preface this like an accountant no because he's he's built he looks like a uh like a personal trainer at your gym more than he looks like <laughs> des bryant like he he's built but he's not very big but when you when you turn on the tape he looks like des bryant i know it's crazy but like in person he just looks kind of like a you know, a, a well put together guy who goes to the gym a lot, but well, he's not I, very tall. And I go back to the the catch he had in the Texas game last year in the in the corner when who was who was uh, the cornerback for Texas? Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember he, he just mossed him. I forgot his name. Yeah, and you're like, I, I don't know if I understand this. Like, this is crazy. It doesn't um, make sense how and, dominant he was. But whenever you stand next to him, you 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 sort you, you sort of are like, okay, well, I don't. I don't know that he's coming out next year. You know, like, is this like an NFL guy? I, I mean, maybe, but I, I just don't know that he does anything that like, like physically that like leaps off the page. But I will say I, he might be my favorite guy to talk to. I think he's awesome to talk to. Did you get to talk to him a lot? Not much, but he is very, very articulate. And I actually heard a really interesting soundbite from Gundy when I was standing there with, with Gundy. He was kind of asked, like, okay, when did you realize that, like, Tywin had to be on the field? And he goes, he just kind of looked at him deadpan. He goes, that West Virginia game, he caught that one one-handed. <laughs> just, like, deadpan. And he was like, we, we'd have him out there, like, five, six plays, and he would just he would just make a play. He's like, in practice, he was dominating, but we didn't know if he could do it in the game. He's like, we just put him out there for – we just put him out there for five, six plays, and he'd get open and make, make great catch. And we realized, oh – we we gotta play him more, so that's kind of where they were with with Taiwan. And wait, that was, was a, a good example. That was his freshman year, right? Yeah the uh, the road game against Pitt, I think, on in Pittsburgh, he made that one handed catch. That's oh, the game Pitt. you referenced. I thought you I, said, I thought you, well, you said West Virginia, I think. Oh, I did. Yeah, uh, I meant I meant I meant the road game at yes, Pitt. Oh, yes. I said West Virginia. No, I I do remember that. I was trying to remember, like, did he make a catch at West Virginia that I forgot? No, I, I misspoke. Definitely that road game at Heinz uh, Field against Pitt. He made that one-handed catch, and he was like, oh, we got to play that guy. Did you see what he said about when he got asked, can you tell the difference if you close your eyes between catching a pass between uh, Drew Brown and Spencer Sanders? I saw the tweet. What did he actually say? I didn't, I, I didn't he, said it. it's, he said it's the same, which, uh, I mean, I don't know. Diplomatic, whatever. I don't know if that's a real answer. Spoken like a true veteran. Oh yeah, Gundy Gundy loves that stuff. That's why they just roll him out there to talk because he's awesome at it and like he knows the game. Like I just, I don't know. I I think he is. I don't know if he's a pro, but I think he's special as a college player. Not just his talent and his and his ability, but he just. I I think he just like gets it. Like he's just mature in a way that. I don't know. You're around a lot of these guys. Like they're just some of them are just not mature, and he is, and it's really impressive. 
Well, and I and to your point, I I kind of feel like we had these same type of conversations about turning pro based on size with with James Washington. Yeah, and I he was a second round pick. I mean, I think I think Tylen might be gone after this year. Is my point? Isn't Washington a lot faster than Tylen? Yeah, but they they both play way bigger than their measurables, and I think. I just I kind of think Tywin will be a first or second round pick. If if he has a year close to what he had last year, Kyle, I just when you're that good, you just you go pro and like if you fall in the second or third round, fine. And if you get in the first, great. I, I just kinda of think that's where we're at with Tywin Wallace. I I cannot foresee him playing past this season. We had a conversation on Sunday night, me, Marshall, and Boone, about who is more likely to go pro after this year between Chuba and Tylen. Who are you taking? Well, I heard y'all's conversation, and I would probably say Chuba just because of the tailback position. Like, how many running backs stay past their senior year? I mean, very few. Just yeah. the, the pounding they take. And I feel like the NFL's moved to a place where it, it truly benefits a guy like Chuba. Even even four or five years ago, I don't think Chuba would go pro because he's not quite built to be a lead back. But with the spread offenses and getting him out in space, as good of a receiver as he is, I kind of think both of them will be gone. So I, I would I would probably lean more toward Chuba, honestly. I would too. And if he does go, that's kind of a that's kind of a whiff by Gundy, right? To redshirt him for one of the three years that he's there. Now I, I you know, it's hard to project that stuff when you're eighteen and like you don't know what he's gonna become, but that wouldn't be very that would be not great if, if that was the case. Yeah, it wouldn't be great. And I, I think Lincoln Riley actually said this, and I, I truly believe it. He he actually mentioned this exact topic. He was talking about, I can't remember if he was talking about quarterbacks or receivers, but he was like, I think it was quarterbacks. And he was talking about how he's dealt with transfers versus guys who've been in the system. And he's like, look, if they're really good, they're not going to be here for four years anyway. So if they're here for me two or three years, great. And I think that's kind of the kind of the attitude you need to have for like the elite skill players you recruit you have to treat them like three-year guys essentially so i think i think if gunny could go back and redo it he would he would have not redshirted chuba that's sort of like the nba now you just get guys for two years and gone see ya yep totally uh okay anything else from big toe media one one thing that kind of piqued my interest was bob bowlsby was like really weird about um college football playoff expansion he 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 was asked about it, and he said something like, "Well, you know, I know uh, Kobe Holcutt and uh, and Bill Hancock are in the back, and they they know I'll go off the reservation on this one." And you're like, "What what is he talking about?" Like, and yeah. and he like didn't comment, but he said, "We're talking a lot about it behind closed doors." The whole thing was, I, I don't know if it was as bizarre in person as it read on a transcript, but I, I thought that was kind of interesting and. Look, I, I, I mean, I wrote on this on Tuesday. Like, I think the bottom line is that, I mean, the literal bottom line is that they're going to expand the playoff. Like, it's just, it's going to happen. ESPN signs up 12 years, $7 billion. And if you're talking about, like, even a, a, a mild increase over that and you're including more teams, what conference is going to turn that down? Nobody. More money and more teams? Yeah, we're in. Everybody's going to say that. And people can talk about whatever they want right now, but the, the playoffs going to increase. And whether that happens in 2021 or 2026, whenever the contract's up, like it, it's going to happen. Yeah, it is. And I think Bowlesby knows more than he wants to say because his big talking point was 
five teams, four spots. And he, he even did an interview with the Sports Animal where they asked him about playoff expansion. I think Dusty Dvorak was the one asking him questions. And he basically said, <laughs> he basically said like, look, I'm not going to get into specifics, but, you know, he kind of, he's totally politi- he totally politicianed it where he didn't say anything but like he basically the the intimation i got from him was that that's coming but i can't say anything about it it was kind of the intimation i got and look i've been hard on bob bowlsby since he took over i didn't think going to the championship game was the right thing since you already play around robin that's proven to be the right decision and it's proven to me that bob bowlsby is a hell of an off a hell of a commissioner because <laughs> look i almost said offense coordinator I, he might be that too who knows but look where the Big 12's at now, Kyle. I, I mean, know. They're, they're rolling in money. They're they're far surpassed where they were. Big 12's in a great position. So I think Bob Bowlesby's done a hell of a job. Yeah, and I think I think this like weird narrative took over at some point, and people are like, "Oh, Big 12's going down." It's fe-, you know, and it's like, well, wait a second. Like, what matters here? Like, money matters, and continuity matters, and all of a sudden, you got both of it. I mean, look at the Pac-12, Carson. It's a mess. Like, Big Tw- Big Ten's obviously rolling. They've got more money than anybody. SEC will always be rolling. But the Big 12, after that, they're kind of positioned well. And, you know, we, I don't know if I love this ESPN Plus deal. I think it's fine. It's not a ton of money. I think it's $40 million over the next four or five years or whatever. But you got to split it among all ten. I mean, it's it's not... Like when you get down to like how much money each team is making from it, it's not a ton, especially because you're including some conference championship games in that package. But I don't know. I I just they're not they're in a they're in a very malleable position in that they're not like tied to a network in the same way that like the Pac-12 has been has been not making any money on it maybe even I, I can't remember if they're losing money but it's just those things they sound great and then you get into them and it's like wow it's going to cost a lot of money and how are we going to do this and what are the logistics and I, I don't know I just think the Big 12 is in a really good spot right now well I think the ESPN plus deal will be fantastic if they can ever get OU and Texas into the fold I know that's like kinda, I mean kinda, that just it's kind of weird it seems too far gone with that, with the Longhorn Network and the deals that OU's already signed. Like in an ideal world, I think if you get the entire conference on ESPN Plus, I think that would be a, a great thing money-wise for the conference. But do you know who was dead on about conference expansion eight years ago? Do you know uh, who that is? Joel Klatt? <laughs> Probably. Uh, Mike Gundy. Oh. Whenever, whenever I had my bags packed for Palo Alto and the Pac-12. <laughs> When they were telling me I could go to Palo Alto instead of Ames, Iowa, when I yes. had my bags packed, I think that would be a horrible decision nowadays to go to the Pac-12 with the scheduling and the timing. But Mike Gundy, eight, nine years ago, said, and he could not have been proven more correct, that this part of the country needs a major conference. He goes, yeah. I don't agree with going to the Pac-12. I don't agree with going to the Big Ten up north. I don't agree with going to the SEC. This part of the country needs a major conference. And he's right. He's totally... Mike Gundy, has, as quirky as he is, has been truly truly ahead of the game, ahead of the curve in terms of what is right in terms of college football. And this is another example. I thought he was – he's proven I – was, I was ready to go to the Pac-12, and he was totally right, and he's been proven correct in that the Big 12 is thriving, making money, and you don't need to go out west. So I think Mike Gundy deserves a lot of credit for 
clearly it was in his best interest, not knowing where OSU would fall in the realignment, but he was right. Big 12 country is here to stay. You know what else he was right about? What's that? Playoff expansion. That hasn't, yeah. that hasn't been proven yet, but I, I think it, I think it's coming and I think it's coming soon. And his idea all along was, look, take your, take your five champs, five champs and take two at large teams and then throw in a, a group of five and there's your playoff. And it's just, I, I think that's probably some version of what's going to end up happening. And I don't know, like I feel torn on that because I think the friction of like having five conferences for four spots is kind of fun at times, but it's also like really unfair at times and like really creates silly conversations that are unnecessary at times. Um, so I don't know. Like I, I think that I think I mean I I believe deeply that they're eventually going to expand, and that was something that he, I mean he's been talking about that for like four years, like ever since the first playoff started. So I don't know, Mike Gundy, college football whisperer, who knows? He's been talking about that since since LSU got to go to the national title game instead know, of them. I know for Alabama, I guess that's what's going to happen, right? Oklahoma State finishes fifth in the in the playoff, then they expand to eight teams. Yeah. Like, oh, sweet. Missed out on two titles. Awesome. O- OSU is the line of demarcation when they change the rules. Yeah, I know. Okay. Uh, let's. We're gonna bump a couple things. Let's get to this week's uniform review. How about this, Carson? Brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop on Campus Corner. Be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Carson, I got a lot of questions. A lot of questions. I've been told not by sources, but by the Oklahoman that the badge is dead. Long live the badge. I don't think they use those words. I think they said that the badge is being phased out, but then you show up at big 12 media days and lo and behold, the badge is there on the helmet, on the helmet. What What's going on here? I just think this is Kyle. This is a, a grand case of misinformation. <laughs> I think, you know, it's clear to me, like, I thought the, I thought the Oklahoma got this wrong. I thought that OSU finally put out a clarification that this was only for the academic side of the university, that they were only going to use the brand. I thought that they had put it out enough. Like, you have to r- remind me what the article in the Oklahoma said, but I thought they made it clear that this was only with academics that they were strictly using the brand. I thought, oh, wish Swinging Pete's not going away. The badge is not going away. You know, wrestling Pete's not going away. I, I, I'm dubious that uh, that the badge is going away. Okay, that that that's that's good because I like the badge. I think it's I think it's good. I think it's a great secondary logo. I think they should get rid of Crazy Eyed Pete before they get rid of the badge. I don't know if Crazy Eyed Pete is still a thing, but um, that makes more sense. Do you like the new? Uh, the, the it's not new. The the revised logo. I honestly can't tell the difference. Is it a darker shade of orange? Is that like the difference? I think it's like, I think the, like the outline of it is like thicker or wider or something. I don't know. Well, how they get away from this is the badge has the brand on it. That's, that's their loophole, right? I mean, the, the brand is on the badge to where the brand's still there. So I think football and, and to a large extent golf and everything else has their own secondary logos i don't think those are going away i think this was i think kyle honestly this is more of the university because you know this kyle like when you see osu represented 
in college form, university form. You have the brand, right? But then you have that old kind of O with the, the, the alarm clock O with the state going through it. I think they're trying to get away from, from that. Kind of like OU used to have this really slanted OU logo. And they're like, no, this is this original OU is ours. And we're not using these slanted. I think they're trying to get away from the old. Remember Gallagher Iba used to have that old slanted O with state through the middle? Yeah. I think it's, they're trying to get away from that more so than good. they're trying to get away from the badge and football. I, I, I think this is just a larger university protocol. I, I think all of us, like you and me, and we rightfully should be freaking out about the badge going away because we love it. I don't think it is. I think this is more of a larger perspective. Okay, that's good. Uh, if they went to – so I was thinking about this. You, have you seen the, the Nike shirts that uh, like Tiger and Rory have been wearing with like the different – like Tiger's had um, his head cover Tiger on it? And Rory had like the washing machine. He had a washing machine. Yeah. Have you seen? What was those? that about? Yeah, I have. Uh, seen the washing machine thing was like, there's that practice hitting into one or something. Yeah, and there's like that famous commercial of him like growing up, and he was like chipping into a washing machine. Mm. Anyway, I love the tiger head cover polo. I want one of those. It's pretty sick. Anyway, what if OSU made those? What what would what would uh, what would be on it? Like Gundy's hair. It'd be the outline of Gundy's mullet. Let's be honest. I think I think another good uh, nominee would be uh, Dez's arms, just throwing up the X. Ooh, that'd be good. That would be pretty good. It'd be weird if like you just had your forearms on a as a logo, I guess. <laughs> but uh, I don't know what else. Well, it would be it would be the the like, outline they have for Dallas Cowboys, where it's like his football helmet with the visor with just the two arms between yeah, it. Yeah. Big country's would, big country's haircut, like his flat top. Big country breaking a backboard. Oh would yeah, be one. broken backboard would be great. That would be sick. Scott Pierce's teeth. <laughs> Toothless in Seattle. Yeah, yeah, you would have Eskimo Joe on there for sure. Yeah, that would be, be fantastic. I would, I would buy all of these. I love the minimalism of it. Just that tiny little logo. It's it's fantastic. It is. It's great. Maybe, You'd have maybe um, like a just a tiny little tiny little like a OS logo for baseball. Yeah, that'd be that'd be sweet. That'd be love awesome. it. Print uh, the shirts, Chris's University Spirit. Okay, okay. Uh, let's hear. Let's take a break. My computer's dying here. Not good. Uh, okay, let's take a break and then let's hear one more time from our sponsor. Our long, loyal, awesome sponsor, Chris's University Spirit. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head-to-toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly. Shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson, I got two more things. One, was there any other coach at Big 12 Media Days that uh, you walked away – I don't know, there's a lot of new guys there. Was there anybody that impressed you, anything that stood out? Was Tom Herman still – borderline psychopath what, what what else was popping there yeah i mean i'm i'm impressed with the new coaches i think matt wells at texas tech's impressive he was kind of a guy kyle that i had kind of circled in case gundy had left for tennessee or Baylor. that you know, he's from salisaw he's from native oklahoman he did a great job at utah state 
I think he'll be kind of a stabilizing presence at Texas Tech. And let's be honest, Kirby Hoka, the AD there, has done a great job. They're awesome in every sport other than football, <laughs> ironically. So he's done a good job revitalizing the athletic program. So I think I think Matt Wells will do a good job. I think Matt Rule at Baylor is a really good coach. And Kyle, they only have four road games this year. It's not, they get, good. It's not good. They go to Stillwater, which will be a huge swing game for Baylor. But I kind of think Baylor, with Charlie Brewer at quarterback, is poised to win eight, nine games, maybe more. I mean, maybe not ten, but eight or nine games, which they're picked sixth. I might have had them ranked ahead of OSU based on their quarterback coming back. So I'm really impressed with Rule I think Charlie, and Matt Wells. I think Charlie Brewer is pretty good. Like when he, he, he sliced and diced OSU. Well, yeah, he came. Didn't he come in at the end of that game in in in, uh, in Waco? Yeah, he was averaging like ten points per drive, I think, against OSU. <laughs> Gundy cited points per drive on on Monday. Did he? I didn't hear that. My heart skipped a beat. He what said, "Well, you, you got you got Army and their defense. They don't allow any points, but they don't. There's no drives. You got to look at you got to look at the points per drive." Yeah, well, he learned. Yeah. Big year for Jim Knowles. I'll yeah, say that. I know. I know. It's are, not, we worried about, are we worried about the defense? Like they have no yeah, defensive line. Yeah, I mean, it's not great. <laughs> like we were talking about this on Sunday. Like what what uh, group are you most – like what unit are you most confident in? And I was like, I, I guess cornerbacks. Is that a good sign? I don't know. doesn't feel like it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's funny that, you know, corner was such a malign position with A.J. Green and Rodarius Williams. Now they're like the – what the best tandem in the league? Like yeah. I, I'm really, I'm really comfortable with them. But no, I'm, this is I'm why concerned you play about freshman, lineba- by the way. linebacker and D line. To me, has been a concern for like seven years in a row. Yeah, so. I know. It's like it's going to be the Calvin Bundage, uh, Israel Antoine show, and that's it. Uh, okay. One interesting thing. You ready? I'm ready. Matthew Wolf is not in the Open Championship. What is going on? Why why did this happen? How did this happen? Matthew Wolf's like the well, seventh. You're the, you're the golf expert. How the hell do you win a tournament and not get a spot in the British Open? Yeah, I know. So here's the deal. So here, here's what happened. So with the Masters, any tournament that you win, full field tournament, non-opposite field event, between this, like the, the Masters before and the next one, you get into the Masters. That's not the way it works with other majors. With other majors, you have to qualify in a, a variety of different ways. Well, the weird thing about what math, what happened with Matthew Wolf is the Open Championship has this thing called Open Qualifying. And what happens at these European and PGA Tour events is that in the lead up to the Open, there will be one spot or two spot or three spots available for guys that aren't already qualified. So whoever, whoever finishes highest in the tournament will get that spot into the Open. It's kind of a cool deal. Like if you finish second – like this guy named Doc Redman finished second at the Rocket Mortgage Classic. Well, that's kind of a bummer because he didn't win the event. But, hey, your consolation prize is that there are two spots for the Open, and you get one of them. So, great, right? Well, the one tournament like of the last month on the European Tour and PGA Tour that didn't have a, a spot just because they assigned them seemingly at random was the 3M Open. So even <laughs> even though he won, and nor, like if he had won the John Deere, he's in. If he had won the Rocket Mortgage Classic, he's in. If he had finished third at the Canadian Open, even though he wasn't a pro yet, he's in. But he won the wrong tournament, and so he's not in. That's a farce. It's kind of a bummer. It's a real bummer. 
He's like the, although he couldn't hit driver 360 at Royal Port Rush, so maybe it's a good thing. <laughs> he's like the 24th best golfer in the world, and he's not in the yeah, Open. Yeah, you and I haven't had a chance to talk about him yet. I mean, it was kind of it was kind of ironic too. Like I was on the golf course um, during 3M on the final round, and uh, or no, it was third round. And I was kind of talking with the guys, and, and most of the guys in my group were like, yeah, Victor Hovland's better than him. He's going to have a better career. I was like, no, 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 guys. You, you don't understand. Like, Matthew Wolf's going to be better. Like, well, well, and they started listing all of Hovland's accomplishments. Like, look, I, Hovland's going to be great. Don't get me wrong. But Wolf's the guy. Yeah. And then right after I said that, he, he made like six birdies in a row on that <laughs> Saturday and was in the final group. And he, won, he wins the tournament, Kyle, and is what, his third pro start, his fourth PGA start. I mean, he's so far ahead of schedule. The, the list of players he joined it's as sick. winners in the, the short span of time it took him to win is crazy. And I think he, he really delivered on, you know, I'm sure people got tired of you and I talking about him leading up to his PGA debut. But th- there's a reason we were talking about it. Like, this guy's different. This guy is a superstar. This guy is the most exciting prospect since Tiger, and he's already proven it. Yeah. I mean... I think what gets lost a little bit because he's been in the public eye for the last few years. He's he just turned twenty, you know. And we talk about like, oh man, Bryson and uh, you know like Cam Champ. Those guys like Bryson's like twenty six. <laughs> yeah, Cam Champ's like twenty three or twenty four. Like he is a lot younger than these young American stars that we talk about. I mean, Hovland, I mean, and, and this is uh, somebody pointed, I think uh, Nolan Up pointed this out. Like, Hovland is older right now than Spieth was when he won the Masters. Wow. Which is crazy. But Wolf is sort of on that on that trajectory, the Spieth trajectory. You win early. Spieth won at 19. He won the John Deere at 19. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it was awesome. The How about the uh, not looking at the putt as it went in? Or, that picture seemed fake. I had to like make sure it wasn't photoshopped. He's turning around looking at the crowd and the putt's still like a foot from dropping. At least. At least. Maybe two feet. It's unbelievable. Insane. It's unbelievable. Who it's... wins a ma- who wins a major first, him or Ricky? <laughs> that's uh, that's that's mean. That's so mean. Ricky's It's kinda it's kind of a legit question though. <laughs> I know, I know. Ricky is uh I don't, I don't know. Like Ricky's over 39, I think, uh, which is obviously unfortunate. I mean, I don't know. Like DJ's won for 40. It's hard to win majors. It's just, yeah, there's only four of them. I, I get it. But, uh, but, but, uh, I, th- I think Rick, if I had I, to wager, I would, I would wager on one wolf. I would pick, I would, I'll take Ricky. Now watch Ricky win this weekend. I know. I know. <laughs> Well, that that's kind of my one interesting thing, Kyle, and and you would have to tell me this, but it seems like Victor Hovland's in danger of not having his card after having top tens, top fifteens, and the U.S. Open, and and being number one tee to green most of the tournaments he's entered. Like, how much money does he have to earn to earn his card? And he only has a couple starts left. Yeah, he's only got I think two or three left, and it is he has to get into. So here here's what's going to happen. He has to get to what would be 125th in the FedEx cup points race. And he's not really that close right now. I, I think he's like, I, I don't know. I, I'd have to look it up. 170s, I would guess 160s, something like that. And 
but the the good thing is if you're if you're in the top, I think it's 200, which he is and he will be, you get into the uh, the Corn Ferry uh, finals, and then the top 25 there they play like a series of four tournaments, and the top 25 money earners there get their card for 2020. So he's got a couple of different ways to go, but it does sort of highlight it's so hard to do it in like seven starts. Cause you almost have to do a, you either have to win like Wolf did, or you have to, you have to like finish in the top five, a couple of times, like Colin Morikawa who lost a wolf. He goes, he finished second and then he finished fifth at John Deere to get his card. Uh, and, and Hovland's just been like T 15, T 12, T 14, which is good, but you just don't earn enough points down there to get your card. Hmm. That'd be cruel if he didn't had to go to the corn ferry. I know it'd be brutal, but uh, I mean, I don't know. Like I, I'm not like the thing, like Victor Hovland getting his PGA tour card is like the thing that I'm least worried about with any of those guys. Like, <laughs> right. It's, it's going to happen at some point. It's just a matter of how he does it and, and what path he takes. He might win a major before Ricky. <laughs> Like Victor Hovland and Matthew Wolf winning majors before Ricky would be like James Harden and uh, Russell Westbrook winning the NBA title next year. <laughs> yeah, Serge Ibaka already won one. So. Can I get your? Let's do like two minutes on. I just need like a, a Westbrook cleanse here. I need your thoughts. Well, I mean, I think it just it came to the time where it made sense for both Oklahoma City and him. Like as soon as they trade Paul George for draft picks. Like, their hand has been forced. Like, it made no sense for Russell to be on the team, and it made no sense for the Thunder to keep him on the team because it's not in the Thunder's best interest to win games at that point. So I I think th- this was coming probably next summer where Paul had would, would have one year left on his deal, and he'd be kind of in limbo, and they'd probably have to trade him before his contract was up. So th- this rebuild was coming. They maximized the picks, but it is a sad deal to where this 11-year run where they were title contenders is over and they have no titles to show for it. And now Russell's going to be playing for one of the arch rivals of the Oklahoma City Thunder for a franchise that used to just beat him down for winning the, for winning the uh, MVP over James Harden. So it's sad, but it, it was time. And I think the Thunder are now set up to rebuild faster than any team ever has been with all the picks they have. I think Sam Presti is a thief. I think he stole like both well i don't know about the westbrook trade but he he i mean this is unbelievable i think and i've been following your stuff on twitter a little bit like people coming at you about like oh well the picks are going to be in the 20 and you know it's like you don't get it like you don't you don't understand like how this works not you but the people that are coming at you no yeah i mean i think sam whenever paul sat down and told him that he wanted to be traded i think most of him was like, yeah, this, this sucks. I just signed you to a four-year deal. This is, this is BS. I'm pissed. But I think the, the GM side of him and the business side of him was like, this is great because I have all the cards in my, on my, in my table. Yeah. I, I'm trading you and I'm trading Kawhi Leonard, essentially. He was essentially trading Kawhi Leonard and Paul George to the Clippers. I know. It's, it's, because it's unbelievable. That's the only way you get five first-round picks out of this because he basically, he basically raked – the Clippers over the Coles and Masai Ujiri, the GM for the Raptors. The Clippers have had a scout at every Raptors game all year. They were tampering with him. They were in his ear all year saying, we're coming to get you, Kawhi. 
and it pissed off Masai Ujiri, the GM for the Raptors. So he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll pretend like we're going to trade for Paul George and Kawhi over here at Toronto, or I guess trade for Paul George, and we'll, we'll basically hold the Clippers' feet to the fire so you can get more picks because I'm pissed off at them. And so Sam, as much as it stunk, I think he saw an opportunity and he seized it. So well, and it's it, the end of an era, but it's, it's a necessary end. Yeah, I agree, and it feels like they've been like trying to retrofit the post Durant thing of like, Oh, well maybe if we fit these three pieces on here, like that'll work. And it's like, it's just not going to work, you know? And I mean, look, like, I don't think he, I don't think they get enough criticism for uh, winning one finals game with Harden Westbrook and Durant. That's not good. Like that's not a good outcome with those three on your team, but I don't know. I like, I, it makes me excited about sort of their future. I, I think Shea's great. Uh, if they get, if they end up getting Winslow and they get new uniforms, I'll buy a Justice Winslow jersey. <laughs> Maybe they will. But I, I will say this, and my last thought is, for people who say it was a disaster that they won one Finals game, like, look, <laughs> if Kevin and Russ just play C plus games, B minus games in the in the Western Conference Finals against the Warriors, they, they're there. They they win the title. If Russell Westbrook doesn't blow out his knee the year after they traded Harden, they're winning the title. They won 60 games. They were the best team in the league. If Serge Ibaka doesn't get hurt against the the Spurs in the Western Conference Finals, who knows? Like they were right there, and that's just that's how sports go sometimes. So I thought Anthony Slater put this really well in, on the Athletic. People should subscribe if they don't. He was like, he was at a just a random summer league game in Sacramento, just dead environment. And they put in Vlade, Divots, Chris Weber, and Peja Stojakovic are courtside. They put them on the Jumbotron. Place goes bananas. And that's a team that didn't accomplish a tenth of what the Thunder did. So they had an amazing 11-year run. They didn't win the title. But they're one of the teams that you're never going to forget about. So it, while it stinks they win the title, if just his, if just a few injuries fall the other way, they would have. So it's not as if... The Thunder just squandered this unique opportunity. It just didn't go their way, you know. Sometimes yeah. that's the way it goes. That's a good point. It's a good point. It's a good place to end. Carson, enjoy the Open. I'm get, I got to get up in like five hours from now. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk again next week. We got to get a coffee sponsor for you this week. Well, we have one. Coffee? Hoboken. Well, plug them. Hoboken Coffee. Visit them. Guthrie, Oklahoma. Have them cater your stuff. They're awesome. I mean the sh- the shed brought to you by Hoboken. Is yeah, what I've got be this I've weekend. got my Hoboken. They they send me stuff every month. I've got Hoboken just lined up in my kitchen. Mrs. Pistols and the kid, the little pistols are out of town, and like I'm just I'm bacheloring it, and I've just got Hoboken just lining the counters. I'm just well, I just got an IV of it. Well, don't hold out on them anymore. It's the Hoboken Shed brought to you by Hoboken. Kyle Porter reporting on the Open Championship this week. <laughs> There you go. There's your read. Okay, Carson. Talk to you later. See ya.